Good morning, church. All right. Worship was amazing. I sense the presence of God in this place. Amen. So glad to see each and every one of you. Um, Sundays are, are my favorite days of the week. And uh, I, I, feel, I feel that the youth is missing. Do you feel it? I'm, I don't like that. They need to have camp not on Sunday. But guess what? They're, they're going to come back next week so on fire for worship and Jesus. Just listen. I know how this rolls. Sunday, they're all going to be down here just like jumping and acting crazy. Let's beat them to it. Before they even get down here, let's get some really old people down here just ready to throw down some worship. You know what I mean? I, I'm old. I'll be down there. Radimus, are you with me? All right. Anybody else? My mom... Let's shock them. Oh, you had to go to youth camp to get all that? We just had to spend a day at church. This is how we do church around here. Anyway. <sighs> I'm so excited for our young people. I'm excited for us. I believe that when our young people come back from camp, it ignites something inside of us. It reminds us why we're laying down our lives to build the next generation who actually the next generation is the current generation. They are the, the hands and feet of Jesus. I, quite honestly, we had to do some scrambling just to get all of our volunteer positions filled while they're all at camp because young adults run this church. We, we were shorting e-kids and first impressions, production, worship. And we're like, we don't know if this is allowed anymore. <laughs> We need to get some grown people serving too so that we can afford to send our young people to camp anyway. Hey, that's a good problem to have. To have a church, to be a part of a church where young people want to be engaged and involved and active and consistent, that's a good problem to have, so I'm not complaining. I am going to continue my series. We were going to go into a new series today, but I decided to stick on the series Gifted. Uh, just for a little bit longer, if you were here last week, you know that I talked about discerning of spirits. Uh, that was a great sermon, in my opinion. I think the Lord really taught me some things throughout studying that sermon. If you've not listened to it, uh, my daughter was here, and she actually said it was one of the best sermons she's ever heard. And that was before I bought her lunch. So, anyway... <clears throat> My goal is to build a people of power, to build a congregation who understand the, the power and the authority that God has placed on them and, and the doors that he allows us to walk through as a people. I don't want to build a weak church. Of course, it's not really up to me. Anyway. Look, look, I'm acting like it's all my responsibility. It's really him that's doing it. He's just kind of tasked me with setting the pace and the course. I just want to fill you in on where he's taking us. He's taking us to a place of power. Where the world is going, the church is going to need the power. <laughs> like never before, we are going to need to understand the authority that he has given to us, the power that he has for us. And I believe that God has invested in each and every one of us gifts. We talked about gifts last week and the last few weeks. But it's not just, you know, like an Easter egg hunt where you split up the eggs and all the kids get the same number of eggs. 
God imparts gifts into you for the furthering of his kingdom. We read in our text last week, and it'll be this week as well, that it's actually for the profitability. It's to profit us all. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are to bring profit to your life. Now, I'm not really talking about cha-ching, bank accounts going up, but I'll take it. If that's what the Lord wants to give me, I'm not saying no to that, Lord. Just know I want to be an empty vessel. Currently, I am an empty vessel. Go ahead and fill up the cha-ching. But what the, the real point is, is God wants to profit the whole you, all of you, the mental you, the physical you, the emotional you, the past trauma you, the future destiny you, the spiritual you. Using the gifts that God has placed inside of each one of us will create multiplication. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time to multiply. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. Being afraid of the gifts is nothing new. You remember the parable of the talents? The master went and gave one talent to one person, gave two talents to another, gave five talents to another. Talents was a form of money. And the person with five talents multiplied his gift while the master was away. The person that was given two talents multiplied his gifts while the master was away. And then the person that was given one talent was so scared of losing that talent. The Bible says because he was afraid, he went and hid it. And then when the master came back, we had to give an account of all the talents. And the one who had five had doubled it. The one who had two had doubled it. But the one who had one talent didn't double it. He just brought back the very thing that the Lord or the master had given to him. The Bible tells us in that story that that one person who was afraid to multiply was called wicked and slothful. Slothful. Sloths may be cute to look at on memes, but I wouldn't want to be called one by heaven. I wouldn't want my account in heaven to be Trey, the slothful one. We could translate that to be lazy. I hope you're not lazy with your gifts. I hope you're taking advantage of every opportunity to grow in the giftings that God has given you because he has given you some. He has given an enormous amount of weight on you because he knows that you are capable of growing in the gift that he has deposited inside of you. He has placed an investment inside of you so that his kingdom will profit. So I want to talk about gifts today. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for every person in this room, I thank you for every person that is watching online. God, stir within our hearts to find the courage to be accountable for our gifts, to be good stewards of our gifts, to find the things that you've placed in our hands and understand that you've actually called us to action with them. You're not called us to sit the gift on a curio cabinet with nice lighting and put it on display in our home, but to actually get get it dirty, to use it, to build the kingdom, to build the world, to build our, our community. Father, let your gifts come alive in us today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. We all have different gifts. We all have different gifts. I, 
I'll tell you one thing I am not good at. There are a lot of things I'm not good at, but one thing in particular I'm not good at is being a mechanic. Do I have any other non-mechanics in the room? Good, good, good. Greg is just so proud. That's me. That's me. Just own it. That's what I do. I just own it. I know I'm not a good mechanic, but I will tell you I felt proud a couple months ago. I get a call from my daughter, Addison, who's 23 years old. She had bought a new car. Uh, hmm, words are funny. New to her. It's very used, very not new. But she paid cash for it so that she wouldn't have any, any payments. So I'm super proud of the wisdom, and, and she's doing the Dave Ramsey program. And um, She called me and said, Dad... I'm on the side of the road. And I'm like, Ann, you need a ride home? And she's just like, I don't know what's going on. And of course, she's flustered because she just paid thousands of dollars for this car, just cash for this car, and then it just stops on the side of the road. And so I, I drive over about a mile and a half, mile from the house, and I do what every non-mechanic does. I lift the hood and I look. <laughs> As if something might have a blinking light a sign that says, fix me or plug this here. And I stand there for a moment, and Addison walks around the car. What do you think it is, Dad? And I said, a broke car. <laughs> and so I'm looking, and I, you know, the old tray would have just been like, close the hood, let's just call a mechanic, I'm not good at this. But I didn't do that that day, and, and it paid off for me. I spent a few minutes just looking and investigating, checking the things that I knew to check. And about 30 minutes, 45 minutes later, guess who walked through that house? Addison and myself and Carrie sitting on the couch. And I just felt like a man because I fixed the car. And, and, and I, I walk in. The moment the door opens, I said, honey, guess who fixed Addison's car? And she just looked at me, wondering if there were more people involved in this scenario. I fixed the car. And she was like, wow, impressive. And I just start strutting a little bit because the mechanic blood is now rolling through my veins. She said, what was wrong with it? I said, it was out of gas. <laughs> but I took that as a win because not everyone would have known it was out of gas. My daughter didn't know it was out of gas. Winning. <laughs> uh, hashtag call me, I'm cheap mechanic. If you need any help on the side of the road, I got you covered. But I'm not really intimidated by dudes or, or ladies who are, are great under the hood. I'm not intimidated by that at all because your strength doesn't define my weakness. Right? I know that I'm not good with cars and mechanics and that kind of thing, but I'm not bad at that because you're good at that. I'm just bad at that because I've not invested myself in that area of my life. And it's okay to be like Greg and say, that's me. I'm not good at that. But too many of us are so concerned about looking weak in certain gifts and areas of our life that we fake like we know what we're doing. Rather than taking the time to learn and grow in a certain area, we just pretend that we know. And when we pretend that we know, we forfeit the right to grow. And there are so many gifts out there. 
There are so many gifts that the Lord just wants to just sprinkle over his people. And rather than us just embrace it and say, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to use this gift. We just push it aside and say, we don't have the gift. But in fact, every gift listed in scripture is in this room right now. Every gift. We're going to go to our text, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, picking up with verse 1. This is our text from last week as well, but we're going to hit it from a different angle. The Apostle Paul is talking in verse 1. He says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols. D-U-M-B. It doesn't mean stupid. It means inability to talk. Mute. You Gentiles were, were carried away with idols that couldn't speak to you, couldn't give you direction And you were led by these mute idols in every which way. Verse 3. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Verse 4. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works in all, all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the what? For the what? For the profit of us all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. We took a quick poll last week and found out we only had one person with wisdom among us. To another, the word of knowledge through the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. I want to zero in on verses 4 five, and six for a moment. I think, I think you understand that we all have different gifts. Yeah. I think you get that, but I want to make sure that you're okay with that. Because there's a lot of pain in the difference. Sometimes we don't know how to handle the difference. In verse four, it says there are diversities of gifts. Diversity. That's a hot, sexy word right now. Past couple decades, diversity, the corporate world, the entertainment world, the business world, every, every world out there. Diversity is kind of this buzzword. Well, guess what? Scripture was talking diversity thousands of years ago. To look like heaven looks like diversity. This isn't the imagination of men. For us to get diverse people together. This is the word of God. God has created diversity in gifts. But amazingly, I think the church might still be behind. I think we talk about diversity from a, a biblical perspective, but maybe we don't incorporate diversity in a practical perspective. Don't get me wrong, this goes much deeper than 
ethnicity and race and age and socioeconomics. I'm not I'm talking about do we do we really understand what it means to embrace the differences? Because we get really loyal to our preferences, don't we? You found a church you liked based on incredible worship music or based on a kids ministry that you trusted or based on a super dynamic preacher. Spirit-filled preacher. Well, I mean the adjectives. We could just keep going if you want. But you know what my point is? My point is you found a church that looked an awful lot like you. It's the truth. And we go down the road to a different church, and we're going to walk in there, and it's going to look like many me's all in that congregation. People will gravitate towards others that look like them because we are very loyal to our preferences. You like this church as long as what you see looks like you. But the moment there's a delta, the moment there is a difference, a chasm between what looks like you and what doesn't look like you, suddenly red flags go up. I'm not sure if this church is of God. Maybe not you, but in typical Christianity, this is how it works. This is how we have cultivated a culture of church hopping and church shopping. We have to learn to embrace the difference. God loves diversity, church. He loves the fact that you have gifts that I don't have. He loves the fact that I've got gifts that you don't have. Verse 5 says, there are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. You know, there, there are churches all around us right now. I would, I would dare say no church is as effective as God needs them and wants them to be. None of us are. But every church that looks different, that calls the name of Jesus as Lord of Lords, King of Kings, the Son of God, the slain one who took away the sins of the world, who rose again on the third day, every church that proclaims that has the same Lord. And so we look different from congregation to congregation. Could you imagine if all the God-fearing congregations in Austin metro region came together for a big old potluck? We would have the healthy food section. We'd have the fried food section. We would have, amen. That's where I'd be visiting. I would bring a healthy food and then go to the fried food table. All of our dishes would look different, but when taken collectively, it's beautiful. The diversity of one another following Jesus together. There are differences in ministries, but the same Lord, the problem is you and I often don't focus on the same Lord. We focus on the difference. Oh, you don't worship like we worship. I prefer this church. Oh, you don't pray like we pray. Oh, you, you have lights. We don't have lights. You've got smoke. We don't have smoke. You've got musicians. We've got tambourines. Tambourines, musicians. I don't know. But we focus on the difference. And we make the difference our Lord rather than focusing on the same Lord and celebrating our differences. Verse 6, and there are diversities of activities or workings or functions, but it is the same God who works all in all. In other words, 
you may have a gift on your life and I have the same gift on my life, but it's going to work and function differently in my life than it will in your life, and that is okay. I may have the gift of intercession on my life, which I don't. I don't. I wish I did. I'm praying for that. I love to intercede, but I don't have a a gift for it. Working there. But you may have a gift of intercession, and we actually don't have to intercede the same way. I may have the gift of prophecy on my life, that one I can claim. You may have the gift of prophecy on your life, and we don't actually have to prophesy the same way. It works differently. I, I may have, for, let me break that down for you. Prophetic revelation may come to me by when I'm preaching in a crowd and all of a sudden I see one of your, your heads glowing. And, and like there's just this shine on it and the Lord has drawn my attention to you and I don't know why yet, but I know that he's kind of plucked you out of the crowd and he's just like, focus, focus on this person or focus on this person. And, you know, sometimes it's because the man is bald and there's a glare. Other times it's because Holy Spirit is saying, just focus, focus. And as I zero in, Troy Roberts, I sense the Lord is saying... No, just kidding, Troy. We love your boldness. We embrace different here. I'm getting there, by the way. This is a whole other subject. I don't have time for that. But I would, I would just rather be bold, like, like this bold than this bold. This right there, it's concerning me. Anyway. <clears throat> Where was I going? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, the Lord may, I, I see things. I would be what you would call a seer. So I can see in the spirit realm, and I'm not trying to make this weird, it's in my mind's eye. I've never seen like a horse walk up to me that you couldn't see, and I'm talking to the horse, no. But in my mind's eye, Holy Spirit kind of peels back layers of what's before me or what I need to see, and then I'll speak what I see. Whereas other people might have the gift or prophetic gift through dreams, right? They have a dream, and there's revelation that drops into them in their dream, and they wake up, and they don't see anyone's head glowing. There's no, nothing visible that they see, but they dreamt something. And that prophetic gift is no less than the prophetic gift that I carry because the gifts flow differently over each person. Traditionally, in a, a charismatic environment, if something becomes too different from us, we have to assign a devil to it. If it becomes too different, we call it demonic. If it's not like me, if it doesn't manifest like I think it should manifest, it's bad. Now listen, I'm preaching to myself here because I've had to hold my tongue on some ways that I've seen people encounter Jesus before. And I've had to say, is that God? Is that God? God, if that is you, please don't do that to me. Anyone ever ever prayed that, Lord, I don't want that anointing? When you find division in a place, work, home, the church, oftentimes the root of it is is more than likely just mismanaged difference. We've not understood how to navigate the difference that exists, the tension between who you are and who I am. Listen, I'm different, and I'm okay with that. You should be okay with that too. 
Too many of us are afraid to look different, to be different, to say something different. Let's embrace our uniqueness. Let's understand that God is in the difference. Some of us are just too committed to being the same. That's why we've written books that were never read because everyone's read it before. That's why we've written songs that no one sings because we've heard the song before. That's why we've create, created masterpiece art, artworks that never gets displayed in a gallery because it's been painted before. Where are the difference makers? Where are the people that are okay to step into the place of difference and trust in the very unique gift that God has placed on their life? There are too many pastors going around. I can say I've spent too many years of my pastorate doing this, looking at successful pastors and thinking, well, if I preach like this, or if I say that, or I do that, or I do this ministry, rather than step into who God called me to be, I try to imitate someone who is already successful. But here's the problem. Success isn't me looking like success. Success is me stepping into God's unique will for my own life. So I have to embrace the difference. And I know the guy down the street probably preaches better than me. That's okay. I'm not called to be him. The enemy spends a lot of time getting us to despise our difference. Hiding it, embarrassed by it. And at the end of the day, the thing that we lose when we hide the difference is our profitability. You lose the profit of your life when you hide the difference that God has planted inside of you. Distinction creates profitability. And we know that instinctively. 20 burger joints on Pecan Street Deli. There's not, but if there were, 20 burger joints on Pecan... What would I say? Pecan Street Deli? Pecan Street. There's only one good burger joint on Pecan Street. That's Pecan Street Deli. Manager goes to our church, so you know. Imagine, though, that there were 20 burger joints on Pecan Street. Same sauce, same buns, same meat, same seasoning. The one that's going to make a profit is the one that can be distinguished among the other 19. The one with the secret sauce. Or, Or granny seasoning. That recipe that you can't get. Distinction creates profitability. And so the enemy would love for you to hide that unique thing about you. That thing that almost feels like it, it's too unique. I can't show the world. I might should be ashamed of it. And God said, no, I put it in you because the world needs that part of you to flourish. We all have access to the same gifts of the Spirit But we're given different gifts. And even if I'm given the same gift as you, it may operate different in me. And that doesn't make me more valuable than you. And you're not more valuable than me. As diversity expands in the church, diversity in in thoughts, in pursuits, in passions, in agendas... As diversity expands, the church grows in power. But hear me, church, you can, be, you can be different and still have good doctrine. You can be different and still hold fast to the word of God. 
you can be different and still not live in sin. We, we can't allow the difference to be the place where sin is cultivated and we say that's our unique gift to the world. No, that's your disobedience. Being you is scary. Because you've never seen it done before. There is no one you can look out in your world and see who is acting just like God has created you to act and to be. It is so much easier for me to act like a preacher I can find on YouTube or on TV because it's modeled before me. I have an image, something to imitate, something to run after, something to to mold into. But being the authentic Trey, oh my. That's scary. Being the real Brian, that's scary. Because it takes this whole fear of failure to a whole nother level. You see, we can risk, take risk and be okay with failure as long as we're imitating someone else. But we're really afraid to fail whenever we're just being ourselves. Because that might mean we're not good enough. I hate to be the callous pastor, but the truth is, you're not good enough. You were never created to be good enough. The gifts that were invested in you were never about making you look good. You were created to be a vessel used for the glory of God. And whether you succeed or you fail, as long as it's in a place of surrender, God gets the glory. So embrace your difference. Stop trying to be like the Christian next to you or the husband next to you or the wife next to you. What is it that God has for you to be different? You know, in the book of Exodus, you may remember Moses going to Pharaoh saying multiple times, let my people go, let my people go. And then all of these plagues were coming upon the people. And somewhere around Exodus chapter 11, it's one of the final plagues. We know it as Passover where the firstborn was going to die. All the Egyptian firstborn were going to die. And God told Moses to tell Pharaoh that in that moment, the firstborn of the Egyptians were going to die, but the firstborn of the Israelites were not. And the scripture says, because the Lord was going to set a difference there. The firstborn of the Israelites were rescued and saved by a difference. Maybe we're not seeing the salvation hand of God in our life or the profitability in our life because we're not moving into the difference of our life. We've been running from the difference. Well, Jesus is glorified where there is a difference. Can I get an amen? Amen. Let's go back to our text and let me wrap up. I just want to go over our our groups of gifts one more time. I'm probably not going to come back to the gifts next week. I've I've been working on another sermon I'm really excited about. And I hope you'll come back next week um, because I'm talking on witchcraft and witchcraft in the church. And I'm not talking about uh, ladies with 
green skin and big noses with a wart and a black hat. Witchcraft doesn't manifest in the world and in the church like that, but um, there is witchcraft among us. And uh, I'm excited to help, help talk about that next week. So I, I hope you'll come. Witchcraft is going to be broken over us. Some of us are participating in witchcraft, and we don't even know that we've partnered with witchcraft, and I'm going to help you next week. So I, I want to wrap this up on the gifts. Is that all right? Can I have four more minutes? Good, I'll take six and you'll forgive me. <laughs> Remember I told you last week that there are three groups of gifts. I just kind of want to walk through them real quick so you at least understand them. The vocal gifts was prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Uh, tongues is the speaking in another language. There are multiple kinds of tongues. Uh, in, in the book of Acts, they spoke in a language that was known to men. And it drew people to Christ. The church was built in one day. Um, there is also an unknown tongue to men. The Bible talks about there being a, a language between you, a spirit-filled believer, and God. Something that uh, the enemy does not know. Uh, so I would encourage you, if you have that gift, to spend time every day praying in the Spirit. I actually, just this past week, set a timer. and You know, I'm 48. How old am I? 48. I'm old enough that I should have done this already. Um, but I've never just set a timer and said, hey, I'm going to pray in the Spirit for one hour. Now, I pray in the Spirit all the time. And maybe the accumulation of it through the day is, is a lot. It's a, it's a little here and a little there. And, uh, oh, man. It, it, when Michaela went to Bible school, the way they kind of joke about tongues in, in a healthy way is, um, you know, if, if you're going to tell someone, oh, I speak in tongues every day, you say, I should have bought a Honda, but I bought a Kia. I, I should have bought a Honda, but I bought a Kia. It sounds like tongues. Should have bought a Honda, but I bought a Kia. I heard a new one this week. I heard a new one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this on my kids. He said, hey, batter, batter, hey, batter, batter, swing. Hey, batter, batter, hey, batter, batter, swing. That sounds like tongues, too. It's so funny. Anyway, that's just... That's really church kid humor. I'm sorry to waste time on that. I won't count that in your six minutes. But there is a speaking in tongues. This week I set a timer. I was at the church and I was like, you know, the Lord's just calling me. to. I'm trying to build intercession in my life because I believe that the gifts that we lean into and we pour into, God opens more. And so I set a timer for just, just praying in the Spirit. And I did. And, and if you've not done that, if you've not set a timer for one hour it's harder than you would think. Like, it's easy to pray in the Spirit when you're doing dishes or you're multitasking and taking a shower or driving or going swimming in your pool while you're looking up at the clouds. I should have bought a Honda, bought a, bought a Kia. You know what I mean? That's easy. But to get on your knees for an hour and pray in the Spirit until that thing goes ding, that's tough. I challenge you to do that. That's one of the gifts um, which, by the way, the gift of tongues is different than praying in the Spirit. We all have the capacity to pray in the Spirit. The gift of tongues is an additional gift. The interpretation of tongues, interpreting a tongue that is spoken, that is a gift. I think sometimes we undervalue this gift called interpretation, though. In the Bible, there's lots of mysterion or... Uh, mystery things, things that are hidden in God's word, things that are hidden in nature or in life. And God 
releases on us an ability to interpret. Um, I think actually that Greg has a phenomenal gift of interpretation, and he's, he maybe has never thought about this, but he can look at a light bulb in a ceiling and it can flicker twice and he can suddenly have a parable on his heart on how that relates to Jesus. That is a gift of interpretation. Now, it's not interpretation of tongues. It's an interpretation of circumstance, interpretation of life. We know that, that Daniel had a gift of interpretation. He was called to interpret dreams. So uh, that's a gift that you can have. But don't limit interpretation just to tongues. Some of you have a gift of interpreting dreams. Some of us that have teens have a gift of interpreting attitude. <laughs> the other vocal gift is prophecy. Then there is revelatory or gifts of revelation. And that's the gift of wisdom, knowledge, and discerning of spirits. I talked about discerning of spirits last week. Uh, the gift of knowledge, words of knowledge are uh, how you can kind of know things and they can be verified. The gift of knowledge is rooted in the past. It is verifiable. So if I were, if God was just to unleash the, the gift of word of knowledge on me, I could look at someone and say, hey, you ate, you ate Cheerios for breakfast without sugar. Don't ever do that again. Add the sugar. You know, I would just know something that happened, not because I was there, not because I bugged their house, but the Spirit of God revealed it to me. And the gift of knowledge is actually verifiable. You can get it right or you can get it wrong. That's one of the gifts. Uh, the other is the gift of wisdom. Wisdom is rooted in the future, by the way. <clears throat> there is a worldly wisdom, but there is a spiritual wisdom. Spiritual wisdom sees around the corner before time sees around the corner. A lot of entrepreneurs in the room, business leaders in the room that can anticipate change, you have a gift of wisdom on your life. You may not know it. You may not be cultivating it, but you have a gift of wisdom. Anyone here this morning take a taxi to church? Anybody? A taxi? Yellow taxi? Anyone, anyone used a taxi in the past 12 months? No one. Anyone use an Uber in the past 12 months? Anyone get to church with an Uber this morning? Who is that? Oh, yeah. Okay, so we got Uber. The inventor of Uber has a gift of wisdom that taxi owners didn't have. Taxi owners got outrun by time and by need. And Uber came and filled a need. I wonder how many of us, if we would step into the gift of wisdom, how many businesses would just start to flourish among us? How many needs would we start to work on the solutions before we even know that the need is there? I wonder if we just would embrace the gift of wisdom, if we would spend some time in prayer understanding that God is using us not for today, but to meet a need for tomorrow, and we have the solution in our hands before that need even gets here. That's good, but I can't preach on that. Well, listen, take this home with you, Vance. Go read Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 12. It'll tell you what wisdom is, spiritual wisdom, and how it impacts your life and how it, spiritual wisdom allows you to live a life worthy of the high calling that you carry. And it strengthens you in power according not to your own might, but wisdom leads you into the might of your creator. The gift of wisdom is a powerful gift. 
We only had one person raise their hand last week, maybe because you didn't understand it, but I would just implore every one of us to go home and start asking God to release a gift of wisdom on our life. Then we have the, the gifts of power. Let's, let's, let's let them think I'm wrapping up. Play the piano. I really am. The three gifts of power, the gifts of healing. We talked about that, why there's an S. You can go back to last week's sermon. It's the only gift that talks in plurality. It's working of miracles and the gift of faith. All of us have a measure of faith, by the way. It takes faith to believe in God. It takes faith to ask Him for a healing. It takes, it takes faith to tithe 10%. Can I get an amen from somebody who said, Lord, make the 90 stretch? Right? All of us have a measure of faith. But there are levels to faith. The faith can be measured And the one who has the least of it, by the way, the one who has the least faith often has the most fear. Because fear is faith in the wrong direction. Faith is to the kingdom of heaven like fear is to the kingdom of darkness. By faith, we declare a thing. By fear, we declare a thing. Faith and fear are are such almost equal opposites that they strangle one another out. You cannot contain both faith and fear in the same heart. One of them has to die. And so we think the gift of faith, let me leave you on this. We think the gift of faith is just simply believing God for bigger things. Because we all have a measure of faith, we become desensitized to the gift of faith. The gift of faith is not faith in God. It's the faith of God. It's a supernatural ability for something to rise up inside of us when we're faced with a trial, a circumstance, or a situation, and we begin to declare things by faith that our own human nature would not have done. Faith, the gift of faith, is the inhuman ability for confidence in the unseen resource. A lot of us spend time in prayer and our prayer time consists of lamenting. And there's a place to lament. There's a whole book of the Bible called Lamentations. The Lord welcomes your lament. He he welcomes your crying. He welcomes your, your grief. There's a place for lamenting But I wonder what would happen if our intercessors of the church would get a hold of the gift of faith in their prayer time. If rather than their prayers being filled with lament and asking for things, if they would just start to declare things, the faith of God on a situation. And I wonder, I wonder if your child's not far from God because the Lord is just waiting for you to step up into the authority with a gift of faith. I I, I know 
when you're at home and you're wondering, God, what do I do? And it's easy to lament about our kids. But how about this? The next time your kid leaves the house, why don't you walk in their room and start screaming some things? Satan, in the name of Jesus, I command you to take your hands off my kid. You will not have their mind. You will not have their emotions. This cutting has to go in the name of Jesus. That's, that's a gift of faith. You start declaring things, understanding that those declarations move things. The faith the side of a mustard seed. The Bible says the mountain shall be moved from here to there. Maybe we need to stop lamenting so much in our prayer time and just start handling business with the authority that God has released on your life already. Stand to your feet. Thank you for letting me go over today. The Bible says when Jesus returns, he's going to ask the question of, is there any faith left on the earth? Faith isn't going to die on our watch. If you're ready to step into and to explore and cultivate the gifts that God has placed in you. And maybe you don't even know what that looks like. Maybe you don't even know what it is. Maybe the thought of even responding to this call freaks you out. Let this be your step of faith. If that's you, if you're ready to say, I'm all in. I don't know what that looks like and I'm terrified, but I'm, I want to walk in power. I don't want to be a part of a powerless church. I want to walk in the power that God has designed and destined for me. If that's you, will you just wave at me with your eyes open? We're not going to do the bow your head, close your eye thing. If you can't do this with your eyes open, it's going to be real hard for you to make a fool of yourself with the gifts that he's about to unleash on you. Embrace the difference. Understand that it's time to be a fool for Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, every person that has their hand lifted as a sign of surrender to the gifts being outpoured on their life. Father, I ask that you would just shake us, God, that you would just rattle us a little bit. God, we understand that when we walk in power, it becomes a little bit violent to the status quo. It's a little bit violent to our traditions. It's a little unsettling to, to our philosophies. But God, we just say, take all of our heart, take all of our thoughts, all of our agendas. And God, let us step into a place of power and purpose like never before. And God, I just see right now little gifts just everywhere in the room, just beginning to open like a morning glory as the sun shines on it. God, I thank you that we just see the gifts being manifest in our life, understanding that it all points to Jesus. It's not about us. It's not about how good I deliver that gift or what I do with that gift. It's just surrendering to you. God, you knew before I even said yes to this gift how I would steward it. So God, let us be found faithful. Let us partner with what you're doing in our, in our life, in our families, in this community, and in the world. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Can you give the Lord a hand clap this morning?